This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. The Middleburg Film Festival is screening Oscar contenders this weekend in Middleburg, Virginia. So I'm bringing back one of my favorite interviews from Middleburg in 2017, when writer-director Greta Gerwig screened her coming-of-age film Lady Bird. Greta Gerwig. Directorial debut, at least solo directorial debut, right. in uh, Lady Bird, which um, I gotta say, I think it's my favorite movie at the festival so far. It starts off that delightful coming-of-age, you know, story, but man, it, I, it almost snuck up on me how I, I was getting oddly emotional at the end, and I've never had a mother-daughter thing, but <laughs> the mother-son, I, I think everyone's gonna relate to it. How much of that is actually uh, you know, semi-autobiographical. Well, it's not literally autobiographical and in, in that it's not really the events of my life and I was nothing like Lady Bird. <laughs> I never made anyone call me by a different name and I was very much like more of a rule follower, kind of gold star getter. Right. But the core of the movie, the, the sort of deep, complicated love of a family and hometown, that's all really close to my heart. So even though it's not oh, that, that's not how my life was. It is uh, the core of it. There's a real connection for me. Yeah. I, I, I thought you took something that was, you know, it could, it's very archetypal, the, the coming of age, but you found a way to make it totally fresh and, and new. And, and especially just be, and it just, and growing up in this era too, I feel like it, it really captures what sort of, I guess, I don't know, late 90s, early 2000s, yeah. sort of our post 9-11, you know, war in Iraq, always on TV, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You had it subtly in there. So um, talk about how, how you sort of, how that, that era, you didn't want it to overly dominate the story. It's about the characters and the relationships, yeah. but how that sort of, Every now and then there's a clip on TV. It's, yeah. These kids grew up in a very different time. Yeah, well, I mean, I wanted it to be in a post-9-11 world because I think, you know, obviously that's the world we live in now. But I think that there, there's something about sometimes in movies where it feels like, oh, your personal life happens in, in one area and then history happens somewhere else. And I think the reality is it all happens together. And I think for me that, that this is... I wanted to show this new changing landscape of a world that these kids were going into and that these parents and adults were having to deal with. So I didn't want to feel like it was happening in in isolation from the rest of everything else. And, you know, of course, there's the post 9-11 war in Iraq, all of that happening. And then also, I mean, the movie is about sort of economic struggles. And I think, you know, the eroding middle class that we've been seeing over the past 20 years and and how the difficult poor dad it is. is going for job yeah. interviews with his son. I know. Well, I mean, I think that that is it's reflective of of where a lot of people have found themselves and, you know, needing to find a new career in your 50s or even early 60s when you thought that you had job security and I think that that's something that's I'm not talked about that much, but it's it happens. And then you're doing that while your kids are also going to college and yeah. figuring out what they're doing and you think 
oh my God, how am I going to pay for that? And also what job is even going to be waiting for them when they're done? And I think not that that's the point of the film, but everything else, it's just like, you know, it's, it's the, it's the specificity, I think, of, of the, of the coming of age. And also for me, you know, one person's coming of age is another person's letting go. And I think the film is just as interesting, interested in the letting go. And it's, it's about that story as much as it's about this teenager's story. Yeah, it's like the 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 parents have to let go in one sense, and they're you know the mom is furious she's chosen to go to New yeah. York, although she turns around and tries to run back in the airport. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Great little scene. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, um, talk about how Saoirse Ronan's character also is um, also is letting go in a weird way. She gets there, and why did, why does all you have his greatest hits? Why do you, you know? And yeah. she's starting to realize that oh may, maybe I did take that for granted, you know. And and, and the final cut to black, I think it's going to make all of us call up our parents and say, you know what, yeah. you guys weren't so bad after all. I know. I mean, I th- I do feel like my goal. I. It's, we, we used to have a joke that we should put up a title card at the end of the movie that says, call your mother. But, um, but I do really feel like, that. to me, it's like, call your daughter, call your mother, call your dad, call your friend. Like, call the people who, who made you and loved you. Um, or call the people you're making and loving. I mean, I feel like that's, for me, what I hope it does is that it connects back to people where they are in their lives or their hometown or their families and and kind of allows them to see their journey clearly. Absolutely. We've talked a lot about sort of the changing world, um, I guess, in terms of, you said, the, the, the wars on TV, politics yeah. sort of stuff. Um, but all, And you, you mentioned the economy. I'm glad you yeah. brought that up, too. Um, but also um, another, another slice of that, sort of the... Try, the religious aspect. Yeah. She's growing up in a, a Catholic school in, you know, it's at the now we're in like the 21st century, and that's yeah. very different from when you used to just have to take what they said as gospel. Now people are challenging it a little more. I mean, people are challenging yeah. for a while. But, um, but just talk about sort of how that's woven in there. And then it comes yeah. back to a scene where she walks back into church and has almost some sort of like fond memory of it, even if, it, I don't yeah. know if it's a spiritual rebirth or whatever, but at least yeah. it's like a fond memory of it. But um, talk about how you sort of wove that in there too. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, you know, um, I didn't want to show, I didn't want to just take pot shots at Catholic school because right. that's pretty easy to do. <laughs> um, I, I my, The big thing for me is that even though it is, you know, the Catholic Church and Catholic school can be these monolithic um, institutions that they're made up by individuals, some of whom are really groovy and awesome. And like the one nun that thought it was cool with yeah. the just married thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like that they have personalities and senses of humors and struggle and and um, and and triumphs and everything in between. And I felt like that that that's that in a way what I wanted to show is this thing that seems so um, just like one thing is actually made up of all of these different individuals. and um, Who are each themselves changing with time. Exactly. Yeah. And I think if there's a tendency, I think, particularly for teenagers to see people as just as their role in their life. Right. It's like, my mom is my mom. My teacher is my teacher. Not thinking your mom is a person right. who's had a whole life and yeah. this is a part of her life or your teacher is... They go home and everybody's in the middle of their own opera, basically. Right. So I think that, that that's what I wanted to show, especially around Catholicism, um, is that it's not, look, there are good things and bad things, like every human institution. Right. 
Yeah. Well, the munching down on those little wafers, I was cracking up. Mm. <laughs> well, I was yeah. told, uh, that actually, the priest who is the priest in a mo- uh, my movie, is he's a priest. And he was totally fine with it because he was like, well, they really aren't yeah. consecrated. So yeah, they're not, it's, it's not sacrilegious. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where Aronofsky was going for in Mother, too. I think that those scenes yeah. kind of connect. <laughs> no, exactly. just kidding. On the Simba Club. Okay, well, religion, what else? Oh, just sexuality, her yeah. sexual awakening, yeah. too. I mean, um, Lucas Hedges from Manchester yeah. by the Sea, you know, yeah. obviously he's, you know, hiding his own sort of closet yeah. homosexuality. Yeah. And then her second, her second crush yeah. after that is yeah. um, that she eventually crosses. <laughs> I yeah. love that. Yeah. Um, is uh, sort of the band, the rocker yeah. guy, um, yeah. who lies and says he's lost his virginity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, t- I, talk about sort of your decision to sort of have these these bows enter her life and then just kind of fall aside, because that happens to a lot of us. But I also like that you yeah. gave at least Lucas sort of a, a final, you know, triumph yeah. moment where, you know, yeah. the football coach stands yeah. up and cheers. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, what's interesting is even though people are very familiar with the coming-of-age narrative of, of evolving into your own personhood. I think, in general, you, the people are more accustomed to that story being told about young men, less about young women. And generally, movies about young women center around one guy. It's like the structure of the movie says there's a right guy, and either you get him as a reward for going through this journey, or that's the goal of the journey. But I sort of started with the premise of, well, what if there's two guys and they're both wrong? Right. For different reasons. And not because they're bad people, but because one guy is not going right. to solve your life. Or the and, timing's off or whatever. Or, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. it is. And, and also another important thing for me was I think often in, in films, girls wait for someone to notice them. And what I love about Lady Bird is she, she writes these guys' names on her wall almost like... Um, Almost like a hit list. I'm like, I'm going to go and, get him. And she, and, she, and she crosses them all. And she, and she goes and gets him. Yeah. And I, I feel like that sort of agency and your own desire right. was something that I was interested yeah. in. And I also really liked about Lady Bird that it wasn't about yeah. them finding her adorable. Right. She was going to go see what she could make happen. Well, and, and it, makes it, it makes it much of a, you know, it's way better to have the active protagonist like that. You know, you're, you're a smart move on that. <laughs> Otherwise, she's passively falling for these guys. No, she yeah. takes charge. All right, well, we've gotten this far. We've gone really de- yeah, on all yeah. these themes, which is what I love. Now, bring it to the more superficial question yeah. that all these other people are going to ask you. Saoirse Ronan. Yeah. Man, how did you, was she always the one in mind? Uh, well, I didn't. I don't write with actors in mind, so I didn't have her in mind. But then uh, while I was casting the movie, I heard that she'd read the script and really responded to it. And we we first Skyped, and she, she kind of said, like, look, I know I'm from this tiny town in Ireland, and I'm all the way across the world, but I'm telling you, this, this story resonated with me from my heart. Like, I understand this from the inside out. I understand this girl, and I, I feel like this is, I, I've got, I got to do this. And so we met up at the Toronto Film Festival um, in 2015, and we read through the whole script, and she read all of Lady Bird's lines, and I read everybody else's lines. Was, it, was she there for Brooklyn at the time? Yeah. And you met up talking, oh, wow. Yeah, so I was there for a film called Maggie's Plan, and she yeah. was there for Brooklyn, and we, we read the whole thing, and then I knew, like, on page two that she was perfect, but I just wanted to hear the whole thing Let's out loud. Let's ride this out. Because I was, <laughs> yeah. I'm selfish. Yeah. And, um, and it was so incredible. It was, so, yeah. it was perfect, but also different than I'd ever thought it would have been right away. And I just, I just saw it. I, it's like you, I started getting ideas, which is always a good That's sign. That's when you know you're on the right track. Yeah. yeah. And, um, 
And so she had to promote Br- Brooklyn, and then she was going into rehearsals for she was going to be in the on in the Crucible on Broadway. So I moved to the film because she was my ladybird, and I had to. So I I pushed the film I think seven months because I just knew I had to have her. Yeah, that's awesome. Laurie Metcalf. Yeah. A lot of us will remember from Roseanne, of course. Yeah. I think a lot of people are going to be blown away and say, "Wait a minute." That's her. Wow, she's really good. Yeah. All these years later, like that, this woman acts her face off in this movie. I mean, yeah. the dad too, all yeah, of them. Yeah. But like, talk about yeah. Laurie specifically. I think Oscar yeah. nomination, no doubt. Oh well, listen. I hope both of these <laughs> well, ladies. Too, yeah. I hope both of these ladies get nominated because what the work they did is so detailed and so extraordinary and so exactly the kind of thing I think should be rewarded. Mm-hmm. And um, Laurie Metcalf actually. I grew up not watching television, so I didn't know her from Roseanne. I knew her from theater because she does a ton of theater in Chicago and New York. And I'd seen her do things on stage that I've never seen anyone do ever. And I have always thought of her as like the great undiscovered in some ways American (laughs) actress by film. I mean, she is discovered by theater and she is discovered by television. She's done some film work, but not as much as I, I think she should based on how bloody talented she is so so yeah yeah. so (laughs) I so I got her when we were looking uh, to cast um, the rest of it uh, her name came up and I I thought well I mean if she wants to do it uh, yeah let's do it and so she read the script and then we talked and she was so instantly connected to the material and she had a teenager at the time you know and who's about to go to college and she was like, sometimes things come into your life at a moment, and you're supposed to do them. And so those are some real tears, you think? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> some real deep insight. She, okay. She's also such a. She's from the Midwest, you know. She's from Chicago, and it gives it this quality that I wanted, which I I didn't want it to seem like too flashy or too LA. And Tracy Letts and Laurie Metcalf both knew each other from the Steppenwolf Theater, and they have this kind of Midwestern vibe, which felt right for Sacramento. Um, which is not what you think of when you think of California. So it has, like, they seem like people, like right. real people. They don't seem like Hollywood's version of real people. Right, right. They seem which real. Which isn't always real. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But just, you're, I'm, I'm sitting here, I can hear the joy in your voice talking about yeah. getting to be on, in on all this stuff now, the yeah. casting decisions. Yeah. All that, you yeah. know, it's got to be cool, like, directing the movie now. Um, compare sort of, I, I think we got to wrap up. So I guess just sort of in closing then, just yeah. let's talk about stepping out there on the ledges yeah. directing now. You know, compare it to, because Mistress America was hilarious, you know, oh, and you wrote you. that, and then Francis Ha, you know, all yeah. your other stuff. But compare sort of those experiences to finally stepping into this director's chair well, what I've I've always wanted to be a writer director, but um, I didn't go to film school, so I felt like I really learned by doing, and I learned craft of filmmaking by by being around it. And I've done sort of every job. I've done, I've produced, I've written, I've co-directed, I've co-written, I've held the boom, I've edited, I've held a camera, I've I've done everything except for uh, you know have something that was my solo project. And when I finished this script, I thought this is the moment to leap and I feel like I've as I've gone on I've sort of stepped into bigger and bigger ownership of of each project and um and so getting to direct was also you know uh, fulfilling this this uh, this dream that I've had and also it was like I got to deploy everything I'd learned which 
was it turned out just it was enormous everything because I've been on so many different people's sets and seen so many different people work and I've seen it from so many angles that uh, once I started putting together the film and all the department heads and in the pre-production and the casting I had such a clear sense of how I wanted not only the film to be but how the set to be and that's just comes from all this experience so even though it it took me a long time to get there. I wouldn't have traded it for anything because I really got, got to know what I was doing. Keep doing it. Oh, You're really good at it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank Greta Gerwig, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.